Thanks for tuning into the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org or look us up on Facebook under Woods Edge Students. I need a guy who's going who's gonna to participate in my quiz. Come on. I need a girl who's going to represent Reagan. Bring it on. All right. All right. We'll let the girls go first. The guys will go second. Now, because one of these people are going to lose, like lose, you can't help. They're on their own. You can't yell out. There's no lifelines here. Please introduce yourself. I'm Ethan. Ethan. Give it up, boys. All right. And your champion, ladies, is? Reagan. Give it up, girls. I will read the questions. They will answer. Let's move this nice and fast. Question number one. Statistically speaking, what is the deadliest job in America? Fireman, policeman, student pastor, or president? Reagan? Policeman. Student pastor. <laughs> I like it. You know that there's, like, stuff on the line here. It's president. 44 presidents, roughly one in 10 have been shot. So if you have that aspiration, just know you could get killed. All right. I need a scorekeeper. Carla, what's the score? All right. Sydney's going to help you. All right. Question two, true or false? According to the World Giving Index, it's a thing, Americans are the most likely people in the world to help a stranger. Is that true? Is that false? Reagan? False. I'll say true. boy. It's true. America, what's up? All right. What's the score? 01. All right. Next question. True or false? English is the official language of the United States. Is that true or false? Woody, don't look at them. They don't know. They don't have to eat jelly beans. It's true. It is true. It is false. Interestingly, America has never established an official language, which I think is kind of neat. So, losers. All right. Next question. True or false, the U.S. government spends 10 cents to make a nickel, which is worth five. Is that true or is that false? It's true. Is it? A lot of authority. I'll say false then. Okay. Well, it's true because accounting. All right. Next question. True or false, although Ohio, is anybody from Ohio? What's up, boys and girl? Although Ohio is listed as the 17th state in the U.S., it is technically the 47th. Because Congress forgot to vote on a resolution to admit it to the Union until the 1950s. That's a big thing to forget. Is that true or false? It's true. I'll say true. It's true. Sorry, guys. All right. What's the score? It's tied. If you tie, you all have to eat jelly beans. All right. Number six, true or false? Apple. You know Apple. I've got some Apple in my pocket. Apple has more money than the United States Treasury, true or false? True. True. It's true. That's sad. We're a nation. They sell phones. $200 billion. Which really, if you think about it, that's not a lot of money. Okay, three, three. How much money does the American government borrow every 60 seconds? The fact that it's anything is sad. 30,000, 300,000, or $3 million a minute? Three million. Yeah, 3,129,000 and the rest of that number. All right, four to four, neck and neck, I like it. If you have $10 in your pocket and no debt, you are wealthier than 1% of all Americans, 
10% of all Americans or 25% of all Americans? Not you, her. <laughs> Don't be greedy. 10% of all Americans. 25% of all. I don't remember the answer. It's 25. He takes the lead. All right. Two questions left. True or false? One out of every eight Americans have worked at McDonald's. Is anybody working at McDonald's? Don't be ashamed. It's all right. All right. I love McDonald's. What do you got? False. I think it's more. You think it's more? False. I think it is more. Oh, you're both wrong. It's true. All right. Last question. What's the score? Four to five. Who's winning? All right. A recent, now this is an interesting question. A recent survey of 50-year-old men, so like they've lived half their lives. 50-year-old American men revealed that only what percent actually consider themselves happy? It's kind of a sad question. Who put that on there? Reagan? 50%. 50% think they're happy? 10%. 10% think they're happy. It's 10%. That is sad. All right. This is for you. Do I get to spin it? Um, yeah, you can spin it. Let me just put that there. So do the thing and the stuff. I don't even know. Dead fish. Dead fish. Sweet. I think it's this one. This one. Okay, it's this one. All right. Face, face your people. I actually like it. Okay, is it the bad one? No, it's a bad one. Are you sure? If she likes it, she has to get a bad one. I'll eat all the jelly beans. You're such a brave woman. Like, I'm so in awe of you right now. Let's be friends. Is that a bad one? It's like garlicky. I don't know. Here you go. I'll be up here all day. I don't really even have anything to talk about today. No. All right, you guys give it up for your uh, tributes. All right, back to the sermon, right? What comes into your mind, you guys? What, what pops in your head when you think of the word freedom? No wrong answers. What do you got? Eagle. <laughs> Did you say an eagle? <laughs> yeah, sure, I see that. Stephen Colbert, what's up? What else? You got a hand up? Missions? Christians. Okay, I like that. What else? What comes into your mind when you think of freedom? Summer break. Well done. Speaking on behalf of your people. Religion. Running. I like that. Paul? Say it again. Freedom weekend. What's up? Only six months away. What do you got? Controversy. Comes into my mind. Independence. What's up? Playing to the crowd. One more. What do you got? Chuck Norris. Absolutely. If Chuck says it is. I'm going to give you guys a definition of freedom, as according to Merriam-Webster. Hi, there's Chuck Norris. All right, give me my definition. So freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Or it could be in the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Um, this is America, baby. Land of the free, home of the brave. If there's Anywhere in the world to live, you'd think, where you could live like that, it's here, right? I mean, all the nations are wanting to get here. People are begging, borrowing, stealing, sacrificing life and limb to get to the free country of America, where you can say what you want, where you can do what you want, where you don't have to apologize to anyone. Um, that's pretty powerful, to be able to do whatever you want. 
And if you've watched Spider-Man, the original with Tobey Maguire, which was the best one, there's a quote from Uncle Ben that says this, with great power comes... I wish I could say a scripture and you guys would quote it like that. But still, you got it. Good job. With great power, and freedom is a great power, comes great responsibility. You can't separate the two. If you have power, you got a responsibility to use it for good or use it not for good. And I would just ask you to be introspective for a minute. Between you and the Lord, like don't just think it. Like acknowledge God in this conversation you're about to have with him. How are you doing with your responsibility of being free? Whether it's an American or as a Christian, how are you doing? How are you using your power? Are you using it for good? Are you using it for God? Are you using it for yourself? Just acknowledge that between him and you. All right. There's a chapter in Galatians, which we used for Freedom Weekend, um, that the whole chapter is about freedom. It's awesome. It's Galatians chapter 5. I encourage you to read it if you haven't. You guys knew the end of quote, with great power comes great responsibility. Who wants to just tell me off the top of their head Galatians chapter 5? Okay. I wouldn't be able to do it either. Galatians 5 says this. For you, that's every single one of us in this room, have been called to live in freedom. If you're alive and you're, if you're breathing right now, if you hear me right now, you have been called to live in nothing less than freedom. But do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. How are we doing on that? <laughs> All right. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law, all of the prophets can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting, devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. You guys, everywhere I look, I mean, I, I try not to look at the news very often because there's sad stuff. And lately, it's all sad. It's all depressing. It's all divisive. Like, our nation is like just, and I, I say this with, I love America. I love that I live here. I love that I can open this book and read it anywhere. I love that I can pray in public. But our nation, and it's not just Christian prayer, what I'm talking overall, is tearing itself apart. We are fighting, we are complaining, we are biting each other, we are devouring one another. It's like, it's my way or not, and if you don't agree with me, you can go to hell or die. Like, it is ugly out there, and here's God, because he loves us, warning us, please, for the love of, like, me. If you are always biting and devouring another, watch out. You could destroy each other. There's more divisiveness um, there's a bigger split between people groups in this country now than since the Civil War. And the Civil War was bad news. I mean, I'm not saying we're heading there, but we're not heading in the opposite direction. It's scary out there, you guys. It's just a fact. Why? Why is it so divisive? Why is, it so, um, why is there so much discord and strife in our country? I think it's because of this. We have been given, as Americans... This incredibly powerful tool, freedom, and we're using it to satisfy evil desires, to love ourselves, to hoard. One of the questions I was going to put on there, um, true or false, one American lives on enough to support 33 Kenyan families. That's true. We're hoarding 
using our freedom to hoard. We're overspending, I mean, a nation in debt. That bill's going to come up sooner or later. Somebody's going to say pay up. We complain, we oppress. I mean, the list goes on. And you know, if you are always biting and devouring another, watch out. Beware, my children, of destroying one another. You guys, freedom's a tool. And, and tools have a purpose, right? What's this? What's up, Sydney? What's this used for? Uh, to hit nails. It's a technical definition. I like it. That's right. This is used, this was created to build things, to create, to make, to put things together and keep them that way, right? That's good stuff. But sometimes people use this to like smack each other in the head. And if I were to smack any of you in the head with this, you would die. And I would go to jail. So I'm not gonna. But it's a tool. It's got a purpose. And if you use it right, good things come. I built a fence this weekend with a hammer. It's beautiful. My kids are safe now. My neighbors are like, thank God, because the last one was horrid. Like, good came out of it. I didn't take my hammer and say, what's up, Jeff? Boom! Hey, I don't like your car. Bang! Like, you, you use tools for their purpose. And freedom is a tool. And we to be using it to love one another, to serve one another in love. But a lot of us, a lot of, um, a lot of people are using their freedom for ill. With great power comes great responsibility. We should be serving one another in love. I want to show you guys another quick little video, right? I saw this on Anissa Khan's page the other day. I love it. There's so many noteworthy things. If you can just tune your ear, because this guy is not from America, so he's going to be a little hard to understand, but pay attention to some of the one-liners he says, like he made this video for this service, for this teaching series. But I really want you to pay attention to his spirit. Look at the joy in this young man. Play the clip. Stop. Just give me two minutes of your time. Two minutes and you're going to be happy. You ready? Let's go. Africa, in a little town in Senegal. The kids are playing in the background. The sun is hitting on your face. People here don't have anything. No car, no internet, not even light. Think about it, no lighting. Complete darkness. It's a scientific fact that these are some of the most happiest people in the world. So what is it that makes humans happy? One day, I asked someone in the village, what are you going to do today? And he answered, today I got to walk with my friend. Whoa, never did I hear this before. I got to? If I'd asked you what you were doing today, I'm pretty sure you would have said, I have to go to school. I have to eat with my friend. But do you really have to? Or do you get to? Maybe we've been lied to. Lied into thinking we needed more stuff. Always more stuff. The truth is, you can break free from that lie and realize that your happiness is right here and right now. If you're able to watch this video right now, you're already one of the most privileged humans in the world. And with privilege come choices. You get to choose what you focus on. You can choose to be happy. So don't be silly and focus on the bad things. Focus on the good things. It's in your heart beating. It's in your voice singing, it's in your 
foots touching the ground. It's in all those little things that you already are. Go out there, go shine your light, tell the world. Tell the world that happiness is free. They need to know, right? Go tell your mom, go tell your family, go tell everybody that happiness is free. And don't ever let someone tell you they need to buy something to feel better. You can share this happiness with the world, you can smile at strangers, they will feel better. This is amazing. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. So many good things in that video, but I love some of the one-liners that came out of that. Freedom equals choice. You guys, you're free. You live in America. That alone, you're free. You can make decisions. You have choices. So many people in the world around us do not. I mean, America is a big place. I got 600, 700 million people here. It's a fraction of how many people are out there that have nothing. We have been blessed with choices, and God, too, has blessed us with choice. I mean, God is God. He could have just made us a bunch of little automatons. He could have made us like robots where he's just like, do this, and we do it. Like God has given us free will. I mean, I don't think we'll fully comprehend what a blessing it is for the sovereign God to give us humans free will, the choice to obey him or not until we get to heaven. But listen to this passage regarding how freedom is power and that power, like our happy friend pointed out, demands a decision. Power, freedom demands a choice be made. And here's the choice. If you hear nothing that I've said this morning or from now on, listen to this scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make, that I make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your children might live. You can make this choice by loving and obeying the Lord your God. That's it. You can make this choice by loving and obeying the Lord your God and committing yourself firmly to him. Like, I am loyal to you. I am loyal to your words. That's how we make the choice. This is the key to your life. That is a huge statement. Choosing to love and obey God or not is the key to your life. Do you want to know why you were born? It's to make this decision, yes or no, black or white, period. It's the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live a long, happy life in the land, in the blessings that he swore to give you. Are you miserable right now, or can you not get out of making bad? Have you firmly committed yourself? Have you chosen, I will love God, I will serve others in love, I will use my freedom for good? I would question that if you are just like, life was horrible doesn't mean everything's going to go smoothly for you when you make this choice. But God is with you. He's for you. He blesses the loyalty implicit in choosing him. But here's the truth. I'm going to, like, turn a corner. We're talking about freedom this morning. But here's the truth. None of us are free. Not as Americans and not even as Christians. None of us are free. Romans chapter 6, amazing chapter in the Bible. Romans 6, do not let sin 
control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Anybody out there ever sinned? I bet so. Anybody ever sinned and then cannot stop that behavior? Because when we give in to sinful behavior, we, it's not easy to get out. Like, we need Jesus. We need the blood of the cross. We need a sacrifice to rescue us from sin and death. So it says, do not let sin control the way you live. And if you are living in sin, it is controlling you. Do you know that? Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once, we were slaves of sin, but now we are wholeheartedly obeying the teaching that God has given us. Now, you are free from your slavery to sin, and you become slaves to righteous living. Would you rather be a slave to sin or to Jesus Christ? Would you rather be a slave to death, bad decisions, always reaping the worst of consequences for your decisions, or would you rather be a slave to righteous living, blessing others, being loved, and loving other people? It's an easy answer for me. Um, we are slaves to whatever, whatever we choose to obey. And I would, again, just challenge you, right this moment, prayerfully, what are you obeying? What is manipulating you by your choices? Is it the love of the Lord just giving you joy and energy and courage? Or is it the power of sin, which is making you walk around with your head down in shame, fearful, angry, bitter? As for me and my house, and I don't say this with pride, just slavery to God, we, are, we'll be, we will be slaves to Jesus Christ. We will serve the Lord. I want to share a bit of my story, mine and Brooke's story with you guys as we close our message. Um, and I want to point out in this story some of the benefits that come when you use your freedom to serve the Lord, to serve others in love. Um, many of you know this, but you know, mine and Brooke's dream early in our marriage was not to be in student ministry. It was to be in Turkey, to serve in Istanbul as missionaries, to share the love of Jesus with Turks, to work with kids, to be in like one of the most amazing cities on earth with hills and mosques and old churches and a city built on a city built on a city. Like it's just this amazing place. Um, it's like Austin, Texas on steroids with 4,000 years of history underneath. Like it's just amazing. It's one of those sought after pieces of real estate on the planet. But every time we tried to get there, to go there, to live there, like doors were slammed in our faces, some of them so hard it like broke our noses. It was so hard to do what we had a desire to do. And it was just like, God, are you like saying no? Like, isn't it a good thing to go be missionaries in Turkey? We, we want this. So I sat down and I prayed to the Lord and asked him, like, is this not what you want for us? Like, do you want us to stay in the woodlands? Because I grew up here, and this is a great place to raise a family, but I'll, I'll just be honest, as much as I love it, the woodlands is, like, flat and boring, and there's too many pine trees, and there's too many 110-degree days, and there's too many mosquitoes and West Nile, and there's too much swamp, and things flood, and, like, when it comes to the geography and the temperament of the town, like, I'm just, like, the woodlands is, like, boo-boo. I would rather be in Austin. I would rather be in Istanbul. I would rather be having adventures somewhere else. And so I asked the Lord, and I asked him specifically, 
where do you want us to live? Because we don't want to stay here. Our hearts are like, let's go and have an adventure overseas. So listen to this question. Where do you want us to live? I prayed this to God years ago. I opened my Bible by faith and listened to what he answered me with. Build a home and plan to stay. Thanks for nothing. God, where do you want us to live? We want to go there. We can't get there. It's like you're making us stay here. Where do you want us to live? You're God. I'm not. If you say, I'll stay. Where do you want us to go? Here or there? Build a home. Plan to stay. Oh, crap. Okay. I guess I'm staying. Build a home and plan to stay. In fact, he goes on. Plant a garden and eat the food that it produces. Mary. Have children. Find spouses for your children so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city, the woodlands, where I've sent you into exile. It sure feels that way. For its welfare will determine your welfare, so pray for it too. So... I shared that verse with Brooke, and she was like, yay, right? But we, there was no yang. It was not even sympathetic yang. But God had given us an answer to our question. And do you know he will answer your questions just as fantastically when you seek him wholeheartedly and you, you share with him, I don't want to hear this from you, but if you say it, I'll obey it. He will answer you. You ask any question of the Lord, give it your whole heart. He will answer you. And he answered us that day. And it wasn't the answer that we wanted. But, right, he's God, and I'm not. And who knows if we might have been killed by now. We may have faltered, failed, etc. Like so many things, we don't, just don't know. God knows what's best for us. And so we set aside our dream, and we said, all right, if this is what he's saying, we're going to do it. So we decided, let's get a home. We'd been renting for years, the first several years of our marriage, and so when he said, build a home, plan to stay, we couldn't afford to build one, so we went looking. The first house we looked at with serious intent to buy is the one that we were able to purchase. And this is a house on a corner lot with a bunch of extra land next to it, which is basically mine. And we bought it as a foreclosure because it had been empty for two years. I remember when we walked into the house, I'm like, this is a dump. Like there were vines growing through the window on the ceiling in the living room. I'm like, this is horrible. There was a stain on the stairs that looked like somebody died there, and I'm not kidding, I think he did. It was just a scary place. There was so much foliage on the deck. It was two feet deep. You couldn't see the deck. I'm like, I think there's a deck under there, but I don't know. It was a mess, but I'm like, I feel like this is what God wants us to buy. So I looked at it with new eyes. I'm like, really, this place just needs to be cleaned up. I mean, everything seems intact. So we bought this house as a foreclosure right before the housing boom. We spent like is it $87,000 on this house in the woodlands in Grogan's Mill? That's unheard of. And within two years, the housing boom happens. Our house is worth like $250,000 now. All we do is live in it. Do you think God knew what he was doing when he was like, this is the one? And I loved it. When we pulled up to look at the house, there was this buck, this big majestic deer sitting in the front yard. He's like, what's up? And I was like, this is it, man. We're living here. There's a deer in the yard. He didn't even get up. He was just like, enjoy your tour. <laughs> so many things. So I want to walk through this scripture. I read to you just now Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. 
And this is a scripture that God spoke to me. This was for us. But the context is God's people, his children, were going into exile. They had made some bad decisions, so he was sending them into exile. He was allowing it to happen, but it was for their good. And even though they were going into exile, he was like, oh, but don't worry. I mean, I'm still God. I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to take care of you. Yeah, you made a mistake. I'm going to teach you some lessons, but I will prosper you in exile. Like, I'm God. I can do whatever I want. And if you obey me and you love me, I'll take care of you. And so there's a few principles that we're going to pull out of this passage real fast. Here's the first one. It opens with, God says to all the captives. They're his people. They're his captives. They had messed up. Has anyone ever messed up in the eyes of the Lord in this room? I bet every hand should be up. You don't have to, but you should. But it's awesome that he's saying to his kids that messed up, I will still speak to you. I will still teach you. I will still show you the right way to go. If you're in this room and you've made mistakes, as we all have, and you think God doesn't love me anymore, God won't talk to me, God won't answer my prayer, I say hogwash. God says to his kids that have made mistakes, I have a plan for you. I got a future for you. I got good stuff for you. You may have made some mistakes, but we're not done here. It's such an encouragement to know that he never gives up on us. You feel like God has given up on you? You are believing a lie. He wants to bless you, prosper you, show you the right way to go, do something bigger than you can imagine today. I don't care if you messed up last night, 10 years ago. That's the first thing. God speaks even when we mess up. Principle number two comes from this. Build homes and plan to stay. One of the things I take out of it, there's a lot that you could pull out of this scripture, but God wants us to invest in the place that he's placed us. God was saying to us, you are staying in the woodlands. In fact, I want you to build a home and I want you to plan to stay. I know personally that some of you hate living here. I know some of you hate living in the house that you're in. I know some of you hate going to the school you go to. You know what God is saying to you? Build a home and plan to stay. Don't be scared. Even in a tough situation, which we all have our tough situations, God is saying, don't just look for the exit. And he might show it to you and say, leave. But if he's not saying that, you need to look at your situation with new eyes and know that God is saying, build a home and plan to stay. Don't, don't just run. I got plans for you here. I'm going to use you to save your brother. I'm going to use you to influence your parents. I'm going to use you to start revival at your school. I'm going to use you in the Woods Edge Student Ministry to start a prayer ministry that nobody's ever heard or seen before. I'm going to use you in your tough situation, circumstance, whatever. We always just want to flee from trouble. And God is saying, whoa, chill out. Let's talk. Maybe I want you to build a home and plan to stay. Maybe I want you to invest in the place that I have placed you wherever you live was ordained by the lord and he's got good stuff in store for you so don't look at your situation like a curse which is how i looked at the woodlands god this place is a dump it's so hot and sweaty god's like i'm gonna do something awesome for you and through you here's another one plant gardens and eat the food they produce i love that god wants us to be producers right all of you have gifts all of you have skills all of you have talents straight from the Lord's hand, and he wants to use you to produce. And that could be like you actually make something, like a fence with your hands that's useful and good, or it might just mean that you love others in a way that produces good, that produces joy, that produces understanding that, hey, there's a Jesus, and he loves you, 
And you can pray to him, and he'll answer your prayers. God wants you to produce, and he wants you to know that I've given you all that you need. Um, this scripture literally was telling the people, plant gardens and plan to stay. Um, but it's saying so much more than that. It's saying, like, be a blessing to people. Be like a garden with lots of fruit and vegetables that people can come to and be nourished. And by the way, the gifts and talents I gave you, that's how I want to provide for you through your gifts. What do you love to do? Go do that for a living in the name of Jesus Christ. He'll bless you. You have a desire to make the next great video game? Go for it, but do it with the Lord. You have a desire to be the next LeBron James or, you know, a past. I don't care what you want to do, but if God's put it in you and you love to do it, he's given you that to go and be a blessing if you do it with him in mind. The last one, nope, second to last one, marry and have children. Then find spouses for those children so that you may have many grandchildren. This is what it's saying. Multiply, do not dwindle away. God wants you to love not just him but other people. He wants you to be loved and not just be alone. And he wants you to be part of something bigger than yourself. It could be your Christian family. It could be your real family. But his desire is for you to multiply. And Brooke and I took this literally. We had Charlotte at this time, but when we got this, we're like, all right, we need to get a house and we need to have another kid. And Wyatt, nine months later, you know, more or less. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. How are you guys doing at multiplying? I will say, um, and I have negative eyes when it comes to this, but I I sure as heck wish a lot more of you guys brought friends to church. You know people that do not know Jesus. I don't want you to bring kids that are going to Stonebridge or faith Bible, like, they're good. You know people on your street, in your neighborhoods, at your school that do not know Jesus. How are you doing at multiplying, at sharing love? If, if you feel like you're doing fine, then this word is not for you. But if you, like, know, if God has put it in your heart, you should invite them to church. You should pray for them. You should help them. And you're not? Come on. Let's multiply. Let's get in the game. Love somebody. Be loved by somebody. Now the last one. This is the part that This is why I chose this scripture for today. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Wherever you are, that's your home. This is your church home. That's your house. This is the place that God has placed you. Are you working for the peace and prosperity of your home, of your school, of your church? of the Woodlands, Spring, Tomball, Oak Ridge, whatever? Are you working for the peace and prosperity of America or are you serving yourselves? Are you loving other people or are you loving yourself? You guys are, I'll be honest, you are set up for failure. Your generation, just like mine, do what you need to do to get ahead. Do what you need to do to make a bunch of money and don't worry about it. Like, it's survival of the fittest out there and that is not the way of the Lord. He wants you to be a blessing. And he wants you to pray for the city where where he's placed you. Who prays for America? Because look at the news. It needs it. This nation founded by God-fearing people has gone so far. Like a lot of nations, like we're not special in that regard, but this country needs your prayer. Not your parents' prayers, not a government of it, like your prayers, my prayers. How are you doing with praying for the peace and prosperity? Because he says right here, its welfare will determine yours. If we keep on just selling ourselves out to other countries and... Um, not taking care of this country God has given us, we'll lose it. If you don't use the blessings God's given you, he takes them and he gives them to somebody else. It's all through the Bible. Pray for the place 
that God has placed you. I'll show you guys a picture real fast. This is my backyard. I took this picture yesterday. I am not the wealthiest person at this church. I may not even be the wealthiest person in this room. I might be one of the poorest people in this room in the eyes of this culture that we live in. I mean, we live in like the top 2% of wealth in America. And for that percentage, we don't make a lot of money. And that's okay. We don't need a lot of money. But I took this picture yesterday as I'm working on my fence, which is in the background, and it was just beautiful, and you're jealous. But I took this picture because there's my garden, right, with the tomatoes that I don't eat. And there's my wife, and there's my dog, and there's my kids, and one of them's bouncing really strange on the trampoline. And there's my home that God led me to that he gave us for a bargain. And I, I just, I literally had to stop myself in my tracks yesterday as I looked at the life God has given me and say, I want for nothing. I don't need anything. Because I obey the Lord just as you're called to do. And he blesses me just as he's going to bless you, just as he may already be blessing you. When you serve the Lord, you don't need the nicest car. You don't need the biggest house. You don't need the highest paying job or the hottest girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. You just need to know he's got your back and he'll take care of you. And he will give you what you didn't even know you wanted. I thought I wanted to go to Istanbul. That's what I want. And that's what he gave me before I even knew I wanted it. What do you, what do you think you know that you want? God knows your heart's desires. He knows what will delight you. He put it in there. And you're really going to try and figure that out yourself at 15, influenced by media? Like, go to the Lord. He will write the desires of your heart, and then he will give them to you. This is, I'm not special. I just chose to obey. It's the choice all you guys can make. And he will blow you away with his love and his blessings. Um, only God knows how to lead you to the best that this life has to offer. Let him. Ask him. He'll talk to you about it today. I'm going to invite the band up here. I'm going to lead you guys through a couple things to pray for. I kind of want to read Deuteronomy to you one more time. Listen to this with your spirit. Listen to this with the soul that God made that's in your flesh right now. Today, Sunday, July 3rd, 2016, I have given every single one of you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And now, right now, he's calling on you. He's calling heaven and earth to witness. What are you going to do with your freedom? What are you going to choose to do? Oh, that you would choose life, that you would choose Jesus Christ. And you can make that decision right now by loving the Lord, by obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. I'm not going left or right. I'm going straight to you, Jesus. I'm going to obey what you're calling me to do. This is the key to your life. This is why you were born, every single one of you, to make this decision. If you think you've made it, you haven't. Make it firmly. Declare it. Jeremiah 29, what I read to you earlier, goes on. And verse 11 is arguably one of the most famous passages in all the Bible. And this is true for you right now today, just like Deuteronomy. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And they are plans for good, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So when you pray, know 
I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, there it is again, firm commitment, wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will end your captivity to whatever you've enslaved yourself to that's not him. And I will restore your fortunes, which are all the blessings that you've been missing out on as you pursue selfishness. I will gather you out of the places of exile and loneliness and depression and shame and guilt, and I will bring you home. I will bless you. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org or find us on Facebook under Woods Edge Students.